context of 1 Samuel chapter number 21. David had been, this is a psalm of David, and he had been to the priest. And David had gone to the priest there at the tabernacle, and he had asked the priest for something to eat. And the priest told him, he said, I don't have anything other than the showbread. And um, if you want this showbread, I'll make it available to you. So David ate the showbread, and then he asked him, he said, what kind of weapons do you have here? And they said, we don't have any weapons, the priest told him. He said, except for the sword of Goliath, whom you slew. It is behind the ephod. And so if you would like that sword, David, it's, it's yours. You're welcome to it. And David said, give it to me, for there is none like it. I would stop this morning to say to you that we need to make sure that we have not hidden our weapons away somewhere. The weapon of our warfare does not need to be hidden away. The weapon of our warfare needs to get brought out into the light of day. We are not a people that are just trying to wait and let God fight all the battles and us never put anything into it. God did not call us to do that. There may be times and there may be moments where the Lord says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But there's also an awful lot of times in this Bible where God said, Now it is time for you to go up. It is time for you to take sword in hand. And it is time for you to go against your enemy. Don't let your weapon get hidden. But I will tell you this. If your weapon has become hidden and you don't know where it is and you feel like you don't have anything to fight back with, I'll tell you this. Where you can go look for it is going to be behind your worship. If you'll get to worshiping God and you'll get to praising God and you'll get to glorifying God, there is a weapon hidden behind your worship. They had stuck that sword behind the ephod. The ephod was what the priest wore as he ministered in worship to God. It's what David wore when he brought the ark back into Jerusalem years later from this. David put on that ephod and he worshipped God. I would tell you today that if you need a sword and you don't have a sword, you ought to just begin to give glory to God. You ought to begin to worship God. You ought to begin to tell Him how wonderful He is. You ought to tell Him how great He is. You ought to magnify His holy name. You ought to just let the Lord know that there is none like Him. So David eats the bread. He's given the sword. And then, somewhere between there and Gath, he is apprehended by the Philistines. We know that because the beginning of this psalm, there's a, there's a, a pretext that tells us that this is a psalm of David when the Philistines took him in Gath. And so David is taken and he's brought to Gath and he is brought before the king there by the name of Achish. And when he's brought before Achish, they said, Isn't this David? Isn't this the man who defeated Goliath? And the scripture said that he changed his behavior before them, and he pretended to be mad, and he scrabbled on the walls. And they said, Achish said, What have you done bringing me this man? He's, he's apparently lost his mind. Get him away from me. And so they released David without harm. Now, 
David had to be a man who was frustrated at this point in his life. David had to be a man who didn't understand why things were happening as they were. He was betwixt and between the enemy of his life, Saul, and the divine plan of God, the kingship. It was David that uh, the Lord told Samuel, he said, I have rejected Saul from being king uh, of Israel any longer. So I want you to go, and I want you to uh, go to the house of Jesse. And when you get there, I'm going to show you the one that my anointing is going to rest upon to become king of Israel. And so they go, uh, Samuel goes, and, and he uh, is presented the sons of Jesse, the first one being Eliab. And, and he goes all the way down from there through all of these sons. And when it's over, uh, each one he looks at, he thinks, this has got to be the guy, this has got to be him. Uh, he, he's strapping, he, he just, he really, he kind of looked like me, I guess, you know. He was intimidating in stature. Eliab was, was just, I mean, he was just a big guy. And, but no, it's not Eliab. You look on the outward appearance, but I'm looking at their hearts. And he goes through the, the, the rest of the sons. And finally, uh, Samuel said, well, is this it? And he said, well, he said, there is one more. The youngest is out with the herd of sheep, the flock. He is tending them. He said, well, bring him before me. And when David walked into that room, the Lord spoke to Samuel. And he said, this is he. This is the one, Samuel, that I am calling to be king of Israel. And so Samuel took that horn of oil and he poured it over the head of David. And he told David, he said, David, God's got his hand on you. David, God has called you to be king over his people. David, God has a great plan for your life. Yet at this particular moment, when he writes this psalm, this is not this is not this cannot be what David had imagined. He is living in caves. He is running for his life. How is it that the man that is dripping with the anointing of God is laying his head at night among rocks in the wilderness? How can it be that the man that God said I've got a plan for you is in the middle of this terrible uh, circumstance of life and he knows that his king wants to destroy him David is walking in dry places David is sleeping on stony ground it's interesting to me that David would find himself walking in a dry place because Jesus told us in Matthew 12 and 43 he told us that dry places or where unclean spirits go to congregate. David had to walk among all of that. He had to walk among the unclean. It was at this point in his life that David would become the rallying point for the distressed, the indebted, and the discontent. God sent him a bunch of men with spirits that were unclean. And God brought them to David. And David had to bring all of them together and unify all of those men and begin to effect change in their life. Surely this does not look like the thing David imagined that he would be leading. This cannot be the army that he saw himself at the forefront of. 
It was just a few days ago that he was living in the palace. But now David has left the palace. He has left the lap of luxury. And now he is enduring a nightmare. And it would have been bad enough if it would have just been Saul he was dealing with. But it wasn't just Saul that he was dealing with. He also has to deal now with the Philistines, particularly Achish, the king of Gath. That name, Achish, it means, I will terrify. David is dealing with a terrifying enemy. Think of all of the uncertainty that is surrounding him in this particular moment of his life. Supposed to be king, yet he's a fugitive. His wife has left him. He's living in the wilderness. He's taken prisoner by the very people that have sought to destroy him in the very city of their champion, uh, where their champion was from, and he killed their champion, Goliath. He doesn't have a clue how all of it's going to shake out. And all of those things are swirling in his mind. All of those emotions are moving in his heart. Yet David begins to write this psalm that we've read today. And when he gets to verse 3, he says, In the times that I am afraid, I will trust in thee. He said, I may have a lot of things going against me, but in the times that I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In verse 4, he determines that he will praise the word of the Lord. I want you to hear that this morning. He said, I will praise the word of the Lord. Though much is uncertain, he still has praise in his heart. Due to the fact that God has given him a word. And David said, I am going to hold on to that word. Why? Because what David knows is this. God's word is supernatural. It has the ability to overcome every obstacle that stands in its way. And David had been around long enough. And David had heard the stories long enough. He had enough down deep inside his heart that said, If God has ever spoken a word, I know that that word is going to come to pass, and I will praise the word of the Lord. It was this same reasoning that would cause the disciples centuries later to say this to Jesus when he told them, have you done fishing? Not very well at all. Throw your net on the other side of the boat and, and let it down for a drop. And they said, Master, we have toiled all the night long. We've been doing we've done this for years. We are fishermen. We know how to fish. And we've been fishing all night long and we haven't got a thing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll go ahead and let down the net and we'll do what you said. And the Bible said when they began to bring the net up, it was so much they couldn't even get it all in one boat. They had to call another boat and say, help us out. That's how powerful God's word is. And if you can't praise him for anything else this morning, if you don't feel like you can praise him for where you're at, if you don't feel like you can praise him for your circumstances, if you don't feel like you can do any of that, you ought to at least praise him for his word. You ought to at least praise him for his word. 
I want to remind you today that God's word is true. God's word is steadfast. God's word is immutable. The devil cannot do anything to hinder the word of God. If God has said it, the devil can fight it all he wants, but the devil cannot keep God's word from coming to pass. I don't know what everybody came in here fighting today. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you're having to deal with. But I do know this. If God ever said it to you one time, that's all it took. It's just one word. If you can't praise Him for anything else, you ought to praise Him because He gave you a word. You ought to praise Him because He's given you a word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Nevertheless, at thy word. God, we've been around this church thing for a long, long time. We know what it looks like when it seems that strongholds are breaking. We know what it feels like when chains that we sing about begin to fall off. But I haven't felt any chains falling. And I haven't sensed any strongholds coming down. That's okay. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll go ahead and do what you have said. All it takes is one word from God. One word from God. They had been with him long enough to know it doesn't take a whole lot. When the odds are stacked against you, and it all seems to be impossible. Just one word from heaven and the impossible. It becomes the possible. Things aren't what I want them to be, but this I know. God is for me. David had to think this way. Things aren't right. I don't understand why I'm being brought before a heathen king. But when, he spoke, when God spoke a word over me in that living room of my father's, I know this, he was for me then, so he's got to be for me now. And that one word from him is enough to derail all the attacks of my adversary. I want to tell you today that one word from God can bring a divine intervention into the middle of where you are and the middle of where I am. What I want you to know today is that God is for you. I want to tell you that God is for you. What I mean by that is he is not against you. God's not fighting against anybody in this room. God is not against you. And don't you let the devil try to tell you that God is against you. God is not against you. God is for you. God is not trying to hinder you. God is helping you. He's not trying to help you. He is helping you. Do you hear that? He is not against you, but God is for you. What I mean when I say God is for you is not only that He is not against you, but He is also not ambivalent towards you. He is not sitting around without care or concern toward what you and I are facing. But rather, I am preaching to you that Jesus Christ is actively fighting for you. He's not against you, and He's not ambivalent, but He is fighting on your behalf. He is on your side. He is with you. And if God be for me, then who can be against me? If God is fighting for me, then who can be against me? I 
I know that sometimes things get to weighing us down so much. I know that sometimes the load we walk under seems to be so heavy. It seems to be so difficult to shoulder. It seems that there is no end in sight. We've all been there. We've all been there. We've been fighting diabetes in my wife for, uh, for 20 years, 20 plus years now. She's been fighting diabetes. In 20 plus years, I can't even tell you. I don't have enough fingers to count how many times we've had somebody come to us and say the Lord said He's going to heal her. God said He's going to heal her. I can't even tell you how many prayer lines we've been in. I can't tell you how many times we've, we've, we've uh, obeyed when we didn't really feel like obeying. Anybody ever been there? Can't tell you how many times we walked to the front of a church and said, go ahead and pray for us just one more time. I've lived under that load. My wife certainly has lived under that load. And I've watched her uh, whenever, whenever she woke up the next morning. She had, had gone to bed with such faith. When I get up in the morning, things are going to be different in my life. I don't know why she's not completely healed yet. I don't understand all of that. But I do know this. God is fighting for her I want to tell you God is fighting for you today and there are people in this room that you have fought battle after battle after battle. If it's not Saul, then it's Achish. If it's not one chasing you from this direction, it's something else chasing you from the other direction. And you're saying, God, but you told me I was anointed to be king. God, I've still, I can still smell the anointing oil that flowed through my hair, God. I don't understand why it is like this if what you said is true. But I can't to tell you one more time today that God has not forgotten you. God is not against you. He is not ambivalent, but He is fighting for you. He is fighting for you. When Paul was surrounded by obstacles in ministry, he told the church in Corinth, he said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I am going to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. I am preaching today. This I know. God is for me. I want to know. I want to know that you know before we walk out of this room today. I want to know that you know when we get ready to leave here today. If you've been battling something, I want to know that you know that God is for you, Tim. I, I'm telling you right now, I believe God's got some great things for you. And, and I know there's been some hard roads to hoe. And I know it's been difficult at times, but I want you to leave here today. I don't want there to be a doubt in your mind. I don't want you to have questions. I don't want you to be wondering. I don't want you to say, has God forgotten me? When you walk out those doors today, I want you to walk out the doors. Courtney, you're with him. I want you to walk out those doors saying, this I know. God is for me. My God, I feel like preaching right about now. Todd, Mandy, this I know. This I know. The devil may be fighting and everything else may be fighting. But what I do know, I don't know who's fighting, but I'll tell you who I know is with me. And that is the Lord. God is for me. 
You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to have a question in your mind. I came to tell you today, God is for you. And I want to know that you understand that and you got it down deep in your heart. My God, my God, my God. Well, I feel like walking all over this room today, calling everybody out. I tell you what, let's do it this way. If you're here today, you want to get a hold of what I'm preaching, because I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get away from all these notes and stuff. Y'all okay? If you believe what I'm preaching, you believe this is a word from God, and you've been battling some things, and it doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like, would you jump up on your feet right now? i got a word for you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, just as David went before Achish. And he changed his countenance. And he began to scrabble on the walls. And he got to acting like a wild man. And they said, this man has lost his mind. God, whatever it takes... For me to get through the moment that I'm in. I make up my mind. I declare it today. That I will get through this moment. Because you are for me. And I declare to everybody on your feet right now. I... I prophesy to you that God is for you. I'm telling you, God is for you. Hey, I got a word for you. The Lord just spoke to me. God is for you. I know what you're standing for. And God is for you. Do you hear me? In the name of Jesus. My God in heaven. My God in heaven. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. If you're on your feet right now, you ought to go ahead and say, go ahead and submit it in my heart, God. I got a word today, and I'll praise you for your word. Give God a shout of praise right now. What we must do, you may be seated. What we must do is avail ourselves of the divine help that can only come from above. We need to reach into the spirit world. And we need to take a hold of the word of God. And look back at our enemies. And look back at our problems. And look back at our troubles. And say you may be many. But this I know. My God is for me. Every once in a while the Lord just gives you a little glimpse of hope. Anybody ever been there? He gives you a little glimpse of hope every once in a while. Uh, this week, my wife's been so sick, and, and I, I, can't, I don't remember seeing her this sick. And, and she's been down, and, and it's been rough around our house, particularly uh, because I find out all the stuff Mama does that, that Daddy gets to try to do, and, and it don't go the same. Asher got, to wear his, Asher got to wear his cowboy boots and blue jeans to church today. Mom's feeling so rough, she can't even get out of bed right now. She can't even get out of bed right now. She, we drove back from uh, branching yesterday. I was, I was teaching at a leadership retreat, and she had thought maybe she was getting to feel better. And we got there, and she was down. And, and so 
Uh, we drove back from Branson yesterday on the way back. She got real sick, and, and uh, we were having to stop at the side of the road and, so she could be sick, and, and uh, it, it was rough. Uh, you say, I don't need to know all that. Let me tell you why I'm telling you that. I'm telling you that to say my wife may still have type 1 diabetes, but in the middle of all of that, in the middle of throwing her guts up, and in the middle of not being able to eat or hardly drink anything, in the middle of that, the thing we worry about is her blood sugar dropping and everything getting out of whack. But I can't explain it to you, but all I can tell you is God's had His hand on her. She hasn't had one problem with her blood sugar. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's a miracle all by itself. Some of you nurses in here know what I'm talking about. That's a miracle all by itself. How does that happen? I don't know how that happens. All I know is God just wanted to remind us a little bit. Hey, you may not see the end of this thing yet. Hey, it may not all be worked out like you want it to be yet. But be reminded that I am for you. Somebody needs to grab a hold of something out of the Spirit today and say, God is for me. God is for me. Devil, you may be against me, but my God is for me. God is for me. The Scripture said this, and it's so very powerful. Thy vows are upon me, O God. Verse number 11 of our, uh, excuse me, verse number 12 of our text uh, of Psalm 56. Thy vows are upon me, O God. We get to talking sometimes, and we better watch how we talk. My wife rebukes me if I get to saying stuff I don't need to say. I need that every once in a while. She'll tell me, quit talking like that. We get to talking about everything that's on us. Boy, we just got a heavy load. Boy, it's just... We're just trying to make it, you know. Boy, I've got this on me. I got that on me. I got the kids. I got the. I got the job. I got. Boy, I've got all these things on top of me. They're weighing me down. Why don't you quit talking about what the devil's putting on you, and why don't you start talking about what God put on you? <laughs> Thy vows are upon me, O oh God. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you about what the devil's put on me. I'm here to tell you about what God put on me. I came to preach to you about what God wants to put on you. God has put his vows upon you. He said, I am with you. I will not forsake you. He said, I will walk with you. You can go through the fire, but you will not be burned. You can go through the flood, but it will not drown you. His vows are upon me. My, whoo, I can't help it. I got it all over me today. I've got it all over me today. I can't be okay in here. I can't have church as usual. I've got the vows of God all over me. <laughs> I've got the vows of God all over me. We need divine intervention. And that's what we are going to have in this church today is divine intervention. That is when God comes to our rescue. That is when God says, you brought it as far as you can bring it, but now I'm getting ready to pull it all the way through. Would you just lift your voice and give God some glory?
Brother Bill, come give them a little hope. We are at the point where it's time for a divine intervention. I want you to know that we serve a God who is extremely capable at intervening in the worst of circumstances. There is not one time he's ever been at a loss. He has never scratched his head in bewilderment. He has never looked up at the ceiling at night wondering what to do. When God is in it, you can rest assured that you will not fail. You may find yourself in a tight spot. You may even question your sanity. But somewhere in the recesses of your mind, let there always be a firm conviction that our God will always take over. And when we get to the end of our rope, He will be there to carry us through. It was a divine intervention when three Hebrew boys were placed in the fiery furnace. But they looked in and said, I thought we put in three. But how come I see four walking around? Divine intervention. Divine intervention when Daniel gets dropped into a den of lions. And the next morning, Darius comes out. What did he say? He said, oh, Daniel, oh, Daniel, did your God, did your God keep his hand on you like you said he was able to? Did he do it? Oh, king, live forever. My God has shut the mouth of the lions. It was a divine intervention. It was a divine intervention when Peter was stuck in a prison. He is chained between two guards in a cell in the heart of the prison. And yet in that midnight hour, as the church began to pray, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Peter, it's time for you to get up. And when he did, shackles, I'm talking about divine intervention, They didn't need a key. But you have to have a key. If you don't have a key, you've certainly got to have a tool that can bust that off of you. No, don't need it. We've got a God of divine intervention. Shackles fell off. Well, we've at least got to have a key to open this door. Nope, don't need it. Door open. Peter, just follow me on out. And Peter walks. And every door they come to, Terry, every single door they came to, it opened right on time. <laughs> it opened right. It wasn't open maybe when they, were, when they saw it in the distance, but by the time they got up to it, the door opened. Every single one, the door opened right on time. And they came out door number one. And they came out door number two. They come out all the way from the prison. They didn't just leave the prison. They left the whole facility. They didn't just leave the whole facility. They came out of the gate and he walked up to the door where they were having prayer meeting. The only door he couldn't get open was the door of the church. My God, I ought to preach sometime. The only door he had problems getting them to open was the door of the church because God said, that's on them. That's on them. Well, I came to tell you today. Somebody do me a favor. Help me do something symbolic. Y'all know I preach crazy around here, okay? Somebody throw open those doors back there and, and put the stoppers down. Let those doors be open. I come to tell you today, the doors of the church are open. We're not doubting what God can do in this place today. 
you've been praying, you've been believing, you've been fasting, you've been seeking after God. We are not doubting what God is able to do in this church this morning. We believe that everything He has said, it is going to happen, it is going to come to pass. If God had enough power to open prison doors, to cause shackles to fall off, then God's getting ready to move inside the church on a Sunday morning at Sanctuary. It was divine intervention when a whale swallowed Jonah. It was divine intervention when Paul was struck down on a Damascus road. It was divine intervention when Elijah stood up in front of all those people. He said, God, I put myself on the line today, Lord. I told him you could answer by fire. So, Lord, I'm asking you to let the fire fall from heaven and consume this sacrifice. And God said, that's okay. I'm for you, Elijah. I won't leave you hanging. And I come to declare to you today that God is for you and He's not going to leave you hanging in this room. If you have faith in your heart, you will, you will respond to the Word of God today. God is getting ready to move on your behalf. We could go on and on and on. This Bible that we cherish so much, it is full with the declaration that God is for us. From Genesis to Revelation, from cover to cover, search it through and you're going to find He specializes in healing the sick. He raises the dead. He makes disciples. He forgives sin. He conquers death, hell, and the grave. If we did not have Him, we'd have plenty of reasons to throw up our hands and quit. But I am so glad to report to you today, that's not the case. God is for us. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? That is not some Pentecostal candy stick scripture. But that is the word of God for this church today. If God be for us, who can be against us? I declare to you that the devil can't be against you. I declare that the enemy cannot be against you. I declare your circumstances cannot be against you. I declare your health cannot be against you. If God be for us, who can be against us? We've got to do what Israel did when they got to their place where their back was against the wall and they had done everything that they possibly could. Moses, the Lord spoke to him and he said, stretch your rod out over that sea, Moses, and I'm getting ready to work on behalf of my people. Go ahead Moses. Stretch the rod out over the sea. And the same God that had brought him this far. Said I didn't bring you here to leave you here. I, I brought you here. Because we have a destination in mind. And I'm not going to get you halfway and forget you. I'm not going to get you halfway and forsake you. But I'm going to take you all the way to the promised land. And in this room today. There are people who find themselves at Red Seas. And there's wilderness on one side. There's mountains on the other side. And you can see the dust of the chariots of Egypt coming up behind you. And you say, I don't have anywhere to go. But I tell you that God says He's for you. And God's getting ready to make a way where there seems to be no way. God's getting ready to bring you through. I feel that is such a prophetic word in the lives of people in this room today. I wish... I, I, I can't do it because I can't betray confidences. 
but in this room, I am, I am so moved right now because while I am preaching, God keeps putting some of your faces in front of me and some of your names keep coming into my mind and I just want to scream out and holler to some of you and, and tell you exactly what it is you're facing. The Lord's told me what you're most scared of and the Lord's told me what seems to be insurmountable in your life and I want to scream it at you and tell you God is telling me while I'm preaching this message that He's for you and He's coming through for you. I have multiple of your names in my mind this morning. I just want to know, is there anybody that believes what I'm preaching at Sanctuary Church on the 17th of February? Is there anybody believes what I'm preaching? Is there anybody believes what I'm preaching? Is there anybody believes what I'm preaching? Joel, God is for you. Joel, I, I, I see it all over. You've got such a heart for the things of God, Joel. And I don't know what all you've fought, but I do know this. God is for you, and God is with you. Don't you have any doubt in your mind? Cindy, just the other day we were praying for you. You were going to the doctor again. They were going to check, make sure that cancer is not trying to come back and different things. And you came back with a good report from the Lord. I give him praise. God is for you, Cindy. Cindy, God could, have, God could have forgot about you at another point in life and it would have made all the difference in the world, but He didn't do that because God is for you. God is for you. And I want everybody in this church to know it. I want everybody to have a hold of this. I want you to get this down deep inside of your heart that my God is for me. Sean, I know you've had it tough, but God is for you. I know you fought some things, but God is for you. He's for you. In this room, in this room, if something that I have preached has grabbed a hold of your spirit and you believe the word of God today, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. We're going to do this altar call in two, fa- in two waves because, because I'm not, if you don't respond to this first wave, it does not mean, it does not mean that this wasn't for you or that you're sitting back on me right now. But if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've gotten a word from God while we've been preaching this message today, I want you to get up from where you are and I want you to come to the front of this church. Please don't wait. Please don't stop. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I need you to get up to this church, right, uh, this altar right now. Now, if you're in this room today and God has ministered to you and maybe you didn't have that specific circumstance that you felt like God was speaking about, but you know that God has been here today to encourage you and to remind you that He's walking with you through whatever it is you're facing, I want you to come as well. And we're getting ready to have a move of God in our hearts and in our lives. I don't want you to, I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to withhold. I don't want you to stop. But when I give the word in just a moment, I want your hands in the air. I want your voice raised. I don't want you praying quietly. I want you to pray out loud. I want you to speak by faith.
And I want you to believe God that what he has said is getting ready to come to pass. I don't, I, the devil has lied and the devil has told you that it can't happen or that it's getting bad, it's getting worse. And it may look worse on the outside looking in. It may look like it's getting bad and that there isn't nothing beginning to turn. But you don't have to see it. For God to be working. I got a testimony and I, and I end with this. Brother David, where you, there's Brother David. He told me this morning, Brother Shea taught in Sunday school and was sharing some of the testimony of their friend Caitlin. And he came and shared with you a little bit. And he was sharing with me after. He said there's getting to be more to that story. Caitlin was a girl whose family disowned her. Uh, they came from a particular religious sect. And, and when she became apostolic, her family disowned her. And she, she was in the church for about two years. Uh, is that right? About two years she got the Holy Ghost. And, and the, uh, then she had a car wreck just a few months ago, tragically, and lost her life. And leaving behind a husband and some children, two children, little children. And, and we grieved with, with Shay and Stacy and their families over that. And we've been praying for them. But that same family who had rejected that daughter who came to the Lord who shunned her and who told her even that you're no longer a part of our family. That same family, something's been moving in their life. And though, <laughs> hear what I say right now, though Caitlin's not here to see it, it doesn't make God any less powerful. And her mom's being moved right now. And God's been opening some doors. And I won't go into what all it is. But just suffice it to say. God's been working miracles on behalf of that situation. It didn't happen while Caitlin was alive. But God was still for her. Even in her death. God is still for her. And this morning I declare to you. That that same God is for you. So would you just begin to call on him right now. Would you begin to seek him right now.